Welcome to Home Gym History. My name is Rob, and if you're watching, you know who I'm talking to, but if you're just listening to this, you're not watching, I am so blessed to have the one, the only, the lifter, the motivational speaker, the gym owner, oh my gosh, the car collector, C.T. Fletcher. Welcome, yeah, C.T. crazy old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. would never. Thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Oh, uh, well, you know, I was, I feel fortunate. I feel blessed that very early on when I started like tiptoeing into like Instagram and all this kind of stuff and getting a little braver about things. Cause I'm actually, believe it or not, kind of shy in everyday life. I was fortunate that I was sitting on the couch one night and I pulled out Instagram on my phone. I was like, Oh my gosh, honey. I talked to my wife. I was like, I think CT Fletcher just started following me <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, Oh, that's awesome. That's the guy that swears a lot. Right. I was like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> and you can feel free on this podcast. There's no, there's no censorship or anything. Say what you like. Yeah, bro. I and made a yeah. bad word in there every now and then. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. And so then, um, from there, you know, we started messaging about old weights and that's what I wanted to talk with you about. Great, fantastic, yeah. Uh, for you guys that don't know, uh, Rob is a really good dude. I mean, <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of uh, old, you know, old weights. You know, I love that shit. Any, I, I love just about everything old. But yeah. uh, old weights are a passion of mine. And definitely, if you know anything about Rob, you know it's a passion of his. So that's where we made the uh, connection. And we, ha I have a annual weightlifting competition called Pig Iron Bench Press Championships. And I'm sure if you listen, Rob, you probably know what Pig Iron is by now. <laughs> uh, ask Rob to tell you what it is. <laughs> uh, we needed a long seven foot bar for that. And Pig Iron seven foot bars are just, you know, like a needle in a haystack. You can't find them. But Rob's a man. Rob <laughs> had, or he found one. He supplied it for our championships, and he didn't, you know, charge me a cent for it. So anything I can do for this guy, you better believe I'm going to do it. Uh, well, the pleasure is mine because, I mean, anyone who gets into, like, tracking down this stuff, it's just like anything. Like, if uh, you follow CT online, listeners, you probably know he really likes bicycles. He really likes cars. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the thrill of the hunt that's oh, just, yeah. as, it's just as fun, you know, trying to find what you're looking for. So. It was my pleasure. And pig iron, absolutely. We can get into that. But I wanted to, that is actually a great segue to take us into like, how, how did you get started with iron? Because I mean, your gym, Iron Addicts, it's not just a cute name. Like you are addicted to the pig iron. So what was the first pig iron in your life? How'd you get started with it? Uh, the first set of pig iron weights. I mean, <clears throat> when I grew up, uh, I got my first set in 1969. I was about 10 years old. And my dad bought a uh, small set of pig iron weights from the, a swap meet, a local swap meet we have here. And he brought it home. Uh, it's just for something for me and my older brother, who's a year older than me, uh, to, to play with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He brought us a pig iron. We took it out in the backyard. And that's where it all started, in the backyard in Compton. Nice. Better pig. You answered one of my questions. I was going to ask, like, where did it go in the house? Was it basement, garage, backyard? Backyard. Right there. The backyard. We had a little porch area in the backyard, okay. concreted up, and 
we had uh, our pig iron back there. So then fast forward, I mean, your birthday's coming up here. Happy uh, early birthday. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, by the time this drops, you know, it'll be a couple weeks past. But in any case, we're talking 10 years old. That's a that's 50, 50 or so 50, years ago. 40, oh, 50. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're still lifting in the backyard. Still lifting in the backyard. <laughs> circle, man. Yeah. yeah. You dropped a post today on your Instagram that I loved. It was just like a panoramic shot. And listeners, if you didn't see it, it's great. It shows you usually get some posts where you see like some of CT's backyard, but it shows like the backyard gym and it's expansive. It's not just a bench back there. No, we got it. You know, I've been collecting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get a piece here, piece here, but it's been a while. And I got a substantial pig iron collection going on now. That's regular weights too, but I, you know, I'm pig yeah. iron. <laughs> yeah. So usually the divide is uh, Olympic weights and standard weights. And then pig iron, in my experience, usually is a nickname for the one-inch hole standard weights. Absolutely. As far as the connection between it, uh, the best that I could ever dig up, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, or if you had another growing up, another connotation of it, was just that pig iron was like the first step in making cast iron. And I, I saw that basically it was nicknamed that because the molds would look like little piglets on a sow. Yep, you're absolutely. So that's that's no nickname. Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, so then the, iron was poured into these molds. It was like exactly. Yep. So then I guess the nickname. I was trying to kind of put together the dots. Like, okay, well, that's just in general. I mean, that's to make cast iron for anything, not not just weights. Why would these be called pig iron? And I guess just the cheapness of it, or maybe because you start out on the standard weights. I mean, what's your take on that? Why, why I call them pig iron? Well, uh, I, I had no idea as a kid uh, why they called it pig iron. I didn't find out about the goblets being shaped like piglets until you know many years later. But uh, back then, I called it pig iron because that's what it, that's on the streets. Yeah. That was the terminology that everybody used. And they had a whole thing around it, you know, or pig iron was the raw, the, the backyard, the prison, uh, jailhouse, you know, that's where pig iron originated from when, you know, when I was a kid. And the biggest, they called the gym or the backyard or whatever was the, the pen or the pig pen. Oh, nice. Go along with it, man. <laughs> and the pig in the pig pen was the hog. So we had the hogs. So we had it all pig. came together. Yeah, all came together. Man. The biggest one, I, and I wanted to be a hog. So yeah, yeah. Big, but I wanted to be a hog, so yeah. <laughs> it. That's cool. I I've never heard that before. So yeah, all the all the stuff that comes together: the pig pen, the hog, and then as far as that too, it's not cheap in terms of like a an insult or anything. But it makes sense that like okay, in the prison, that's what they probably have. They're not buying top of the line most likely. Nope. Yeah. that's what they probably have so there's a certain attitude a certain flavor to it yep. that you're not going to get with shiny weights <laughs> yeah it was you know notorious for being off a little yeah yeah exactly just for being a little bit off just a little it wasn't exact and you know that <laughs> one of the cool features about it you know what i mean it's not gonna yeah. be, uh backyard you know prison it's, it's not gonna yeah. Exactly right, precise, and that's one of the things that you know endeared it, endeared pig iron to us was that it was not quite correct. 
I bet. And I mean, it sounds too like in the backyard, there's more of a communal atmosphere there. Like my gym in the basement where I'm sitting right now, people, it's almost like I unveil something they had no clue existed. You know, they open a door and they're like, whoa, what is this? Yes. If it was in my backyard, I mean, everyone who come to my house would see it. Yeah, right. But I mean, that's uh, it's in the same vein. The uh, basements, backyards, you know, uh, of of homes, you know, it's the it's the home gym thing, you know, like yeah. uh, home gym history going on. That's yeah. part of it, man. Backyards, basements, barnyards, wherever the hell it was, you know, if it's in yeah. your, that's all all part of it. I'm not saying no great lifters or people in this space started out in a commercial gym. I'm sure plenty of them did, and I've talked to some. But there's also so many that that yeah. was the start. That dad brought home this weight set for you and Walter, you Absolutely. know, and there it was. Yeah. So then you move on from that, and you get going with martial arts. So mm-hmm. you're in the army. You're over in Germany. What I mean was it just something fun to do? Were you watching movies? What what sent you down that kind of like fitness track of doing martial arts? Well, I'm I'm sure everybody you know was uh, uh, watching the Bruce Lee movies at, at yeah. that you know, and I I wanted to be uh, Bruce Lee and then Jim Kelly, you know. And I thought, hey, well, I seen Enter the Dragon, I want to be Jim Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was. But my main purpose for studying martial arts was so I could learn a, uh, a martial art and come home and whoop my dad's ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I've heard you talk about you know just the harsh you know, childhood you had with your dad and kind of the yin yang, the back, the kind of balance of like your mom being such a steadfast support, but your dad being that <laughs> other side of it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure we're going to come back to that in a sense, because I have some, uh, <laughs> I have some deeper questions about your philosophies on things, but you know, when you come back and now you got some combat with the martial arts, but then what leads you to picking up the iron again and get back into that? Uh, all it took was for me to uh, have a few fights and yeah. large tournaments to figure out that, hey, you know, I don't think I want to do this full time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It's wonderful, yeah. nice and everything. But uh, uh, full time basis is getting socked upside the head and just wasn't yeah. <laughs> cracked up to be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just watched a Conor McGregor new documentary on Netflix, and uh, I was just kept thinking about myself, like, man, this man keeps on getting knocked around and coming back. <laughs> it takes a certain personality. Absolutely, yeah. You got to have a, a certain, you got to be a certain makeup to do that. That's, yeah, I I respect fighters to the utmost, and I think uh, for people to be able to truly respect what they do, they need to have done. You know, get a, got a little taste of it to really be able to appreciate what these guys go through, man. It takes a, a ton of testicular fortitude to yeah. do it, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, I mean, as far as that's concerned, even though you weren't having fights in the ring, I mean, listeners that know you know probably your story that you had struggles. Like I mentioned, as a child with your father, very harsh, abusive relationship, but then you come back, and you're starting to piece together life and post office comes into play 
That's like yeah. the day job, right? While you're yeah. pursuing your goals of first bodybuilding, I think, then powerlifting. Was that the order? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Correct. I want to be uh, Mr. American. <laughs> yeah. I heard you, uh, you posted to your YouTube account, CT Fletcher Motivational, that uh, this earlier video, and I'm fascinated with it for a couple different reasons. One reason I'm fascinated is that you mentioned in there how bodybuilding, you're like, mm, I just want to be big and strong. <laughs> and you <laughs> say it so off the cuff, like, yep, that's why I made the switch. Does that hold strong when you look back on it, making the switch? Is that still just what it was? Like, you just didn't want to focus on the body? You wanted to work more with just getting bigger, getting stronger? Well, you, uh, you talked to me a little bit about uh, Craig Munson before we got on the air. Yeah. That uh, meeting him for the first time changed everything. Uh, before, you know, I wanted to be uh, Mr. America, as they say, and, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And I go out to Dennis Beach one day and I see this gigantic crowd gathered around this guy. And, you know, we were probably a quarter mile away from him at the time. And he, he looked big from yeah. a quarter way but uh the closer i got the bigger this bastard looked <laughs> <laughs> he just kept growing <laughs> yeah <laughs> got up on him and i seen the most enormous human being i ever seen in my life oh and goodness seen some you know i uh, grew up with tookie i seen tookie uh the gangster before uh, he went to prison you know i seen him walking around the streets of compton and mm. uh, actually trained at the same uh, facility for a while he was a bit older, and when him and his guys were coming to the gym, you know, everybody had to evacuate. <laughs> the Crips yeah. are here, so now, you yeah. know. Figure it out. But uh, I seen him. I seen other, you know, large prison guys. I had relatives with large prison guys, but Craig Munson made everybody look small. Everybody. And that, that uh, meeting him, somebody told me before I met him, Hey man, you look like a small Craig Munson, and I was actually offended by that. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, small. <laughs> what do you mean, yeah. man? One inch arms. I ain't small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got I those Larry see, Scott twenty inches. Yeah. <laughs> I seen uh, Craig Munson. Uh, oh, oh yeah. I'm small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's casting a shadow on you. Oh yeah. man. He was. He was. Um, and then uh, you know after that. It, it just meant the only thing I want to do was be Craig Munson size from that day on. That's cool. Yeah. That, I mean, I learned about Craig Munson from following you and <laughs> you were posting some stuff about him. So then I started kind of digging in like, who is this guy? And the further I dug in, I just kept coming back to like, why isn't, why don't more people know this man, you know? And not that people don't. I'm sure people in the game, people in the community do know him in terms of fitness and, you know, bodybuilding, lifting, powerlifting, know his name if they're really deep into it. But I just mean like walking down the street, if I asked nine out of 10 people, they've probably never heard of Craig Munson. Yeah. So then that comes into, you know, this project you've been working on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I think it's a like an honorable thing. Like you're going to bring this man to the, I guess to the to the forefront of you know people knowing more about his incredible story. Well, it's it's not really a project. He's you know we, mm -hmm. we uh, you know now that we got to be old guys, uh, yeah. he, you know he was a a great inspiration for me as a younger guy, and uh, we got to meet you know a few times. And I'm, you know he's a really good person or a nice mm -hmm. person, and, you know, and we got to be real good friends. 
So every chance I get, you know, I push them out there because as you <laughs> said, uh, people don't know, you know, uh, the legend of Craig Munson, in my opinion, and he should be up there with uh, all the legendary uh, lifters. I mean, Craig Munson has earned his spot, you know, amongst the legendary uh, lifters of our day, bodybuilders, because he was a bodybuilder. He was like the first on stage 300 pound bodybuilder way, you know, way back then. So it's, um, that's yeah. a super before pound. the big like mass monsters. Yeah, right. He, he was yeah. mass, mass monster number one. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it, I started digging into it. And yeah, so were you working on a documentary? about him or were you just piecing together smaller bits of content to put out for him how no. does it all string together actually somebody else was doing okay. the on him and i uh you know just a part trying to be a part gotcha. of they contact me to be a part of his documentary but gotcha. this documentary on him coming out okay. and i was just happy to take part in yeah. that part and push him forward you know as much as i could get him in the the uh, line because the only difference uh with me and him is a guy walked into metroflex gym in long beach one day and said hey you want to be on youtube yeah, yeah. other than that <laughs> uh, i think if they had done the same thing for him he would be you know just as famous as uh anybody well it kind of reminds me of uh, a quote that I love of yours. You have a lot of good quotes. Like listeners, if you just Google CT Fletcher quote, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to find some great ones. Ones that'll make you laugh. Ones that'll make you like fired up. Like I got to get down in the gym. <laughs> Other ones that'll make you think about life. So one of my favorite like CT Fletcher philosophical quotes is, and it, you made me think of it just now is that this overnight success that took 35 years of my life to achieve, as though you called it when YouTube went viral, this video went viral. You said, you know, yeah, this overnight success that took yeah. five years. Yeah, people were like, oh man, I, you know, I, I yeah. want, I, I, where did he come from? All the companies famous, and I, I exactly. still don't consider myself famous. Or, and I, when the guy told me my video went viral, I didn't even know what viral was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that <laughs> mean I'm sick? Like, what? Yeah. So, I, I mean, but it made me think of it with Craig Munson when you said the only difference is that YouTube thing is that, you know, you put in the time you were, you were working, you were setting world records, your world record in bench press, world record in strict prep or strict curl, I should say. And I mean, you weren't just an average Joe when it came to weightlifting, but yeah. then boom, that video took off. Yeah. That's the comparison I draw because the guy was, you know, uh, 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 very well ranked, highly ranked uh, uh, bodybuilder. Yeah, uh, repping six hundred on the bench press. Wow. Uh, and just playing with five back arm and three hundred fifteen pounds. And in my opinion, hardly anybody knew about him. So when I got yeah. the chance to be on YouTube, which I knew nothing about, I definitely had to mention him. You know, and, you know, let people know it. He. He thanks me for that to this day. He said, man, people didn't know who I was. Until yeah. you know, I said, well, hell, I knew who you were. Well, I've, I'm so glad that you forged that friendship because, yeah, I feel glad to know who he is. The one video you sent me of him 
the previous episode of home gym history podcast to this one is with jen thompson one of the best bench pressers in history and i was talking to her about the history of the bench press and how the pullover press and the one video sent me of craig munson he does that he yep like no one gets the weights up for him no one it's not on a post or stand or anything he just reaches back grabs it and he's got like yeah he's got like three 45s on there at least and does a pullover and then does it for reps yep and i mean you were asking me about some weight plates on there but that i couldn't even look at the weight plates i was still replaying it and replaying it watching like oh my gosh (laughs) this dude is doing like a 315 pound pullover press yep absolutely and that's just unheard of man uh yeah ridiculous so he just uh yeah I, i i look forward to learning more about him i hope that documentary comes to fruition and you know whether it does or not i love that you're sharing a story so getting back to you though in terms of your inspiration from him that that makes you think okay i want to be big i want to be strong so now i'm going to powerlifting route so then at that time you're hitting the gym right and your day job is uh with the post office yeah how how are you making how are you making things work because you have three kids along the way during that time and then you know is it just a busy lifestyle you're just doing what you got to do like when are you training are you training in the morning before work and afternoon after work how how's it coming together that you're putting on that size and that strength and you're able to get to your goals to get to that world class level yeah i was uh, i was obsessed uh <laughs> just like i you know i think it's a, a necessity for anybody uh <clears throat> no matter what their chosen field is if you want to be the absolute best at it you have to be obsessed with that and yeah. willing to make you know whatever sacrifice is necessary so i've worked my eight to 12 hours, whatever, you know, if we had over yeah. up to 12, and then I go to the gym afterwards. But, uh, and that was seven days a week. Jack. Back then, Woo. I thought that was necessary yeah. uh, to every day. So I trained every day, man, every day. Well, actually, that's my listeners and followers on Instagram. I put it out there. Hey, what do you want me to ask CT? And on Instagram, Tim Smith 864 put in... <laughs> As far as the history of your training and things like that, uh, how long did you do this bicep with tricep the very next day training method? And you were going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also a training method where you were hitting biceps like every single day when you got obsessed. Well, uh, actually, that when I say I, I, I train, I train arms every day. Arms and every day. That, Not that just was, biceps, arms. Yeah. Gotcha. What? every day was arms every day so i would so that was the back and forth yes that's the back and forth people when i uh you know i trained arms and a lot of people assume it was just biceps yeah every other day quite a bit oh that's yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, usually i mean rest days are like a normal thing active recovery days people got all kinds of names for them yeah yeah well i'm just going like a lot of people think that you can train calves every day uh, because you utilize your calves every day when you walk. Mm-hmm. They get so much utilization that uh, training them every day is, you know, uh, not considered weird or, uh, you know, abnormal. And I felt the same way about biceps. I said, what, you, you use your arms every day. You're going to use them every day in some form or fashion. They're used to a, a continuous workload. They're 
used to being, you know, used all the time. So uh, they can take it. They can recover. In my opinion, they were built for recovery, fast recovery. And I was going to put them to the test, man. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that makes sense to me. I've gotten really into grip strength and that's mainly your forearms. And, I, you know, it's kind of the same idea, different grips, pinch grip versus uh, thick handle, something like that. You can go every day. But in any case, as far as this period of your life and this, you know, you're working long hours with the post office, then you're also putting in this time training. You got a family at home. Things are still progressing, though. You know, I kept I mean, I assumed it was your goal to be a world record holder. Was I correct there? I mean, was that the site you had on there with the being big and strong? You wanted to be the world record and bench press. You figured out that that was your lane, if you will, rather than deadlift and squat. And you you know, how did that come about? Like, when did you realize, like, wait a minute, I can hit those numbers. Like, I can do this. Um, I knew from a kid that I wanted to be the best in the world at something. <laughs> I just had to find out what it was. But I knew without a doubt from as long as I can remember that I wanted to be numero uno on the planet at something. Uh, so... I just had to keep searching until I found that thing. And when it came to, uh, I knew as a kid also that I was stronger than the other kids. If you're strong, you're going to know it early on. I mean, when you're in the, we, we would go out every day at recess and me and the other guys would wrestle. We would wrestle at recess every day. And we put them, my brother and I were famous for the Fletcher headlock, man. We put <laughs> from That's looking, great. That's looking at a, a lot of, uh, uh, wrestling uh, back WWF and NW yeah, yeah. back in the day, man. We would throw that headlock on them, uh -huh. and, and uh, yeah, that was our thing. So we knew I knew early on that I was strong, uh, stronger than most people. Yeah. So that uh, strength was a natural. I didn't know what it was, but it's going to build with strength. Well, I mean, a big part of professional wrestling, in addition to the wrestling, is the trash talk. You know, oh, rest yeah. in peace. Superstar Billy Graham just passed away. Not oh, long man. Ago. Yes, man. One of my. And I mean, he was like the founder of, yeah. you know, the talk of the talk. He was the man. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to me to hear you talk about as a child, this wrestling, because it right away, I think, oh, OK, like the two sides of you, the, the strength and the iron, but also the passion and the voice and the thoughts. You know, was that going on? Was a trash talk in the backyard when you're wrestling? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, <laughs> was, you know, one of uh, me and my brother's favorite because, I mean, he, he was huge, mm -hmm. <laughs> had gigantic arms, and he could talk shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. That, so he had both sides. <laughs> yeah, of course he was a favorite. I mean, um, we had Rocky Soul Man Johnson was also a favorite. You know, we're back. Yeah. I go, uh, yeah. When I was a little kid, Bobo Dwayne Johnson's father. Yeah. Yeah. Flame throwing chic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I early, early. So I'm, I'm yeah. old. It's, you know, hey, superstar. GH is for Pittsburgh and Bruno San Martino's. Oh, man. Pittsburgh oh. native. I mean, he sold out Madison Square Garden some ridiculous amount of times. He's like, and, hey, he is a wrestler. He legitimately held the world bench press record at one time. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Nice. Bench press record, man. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, because, I mean, those were the times, kind of like you said about Craig Munson, where, you know, they weren't pumping up just to be big. They were big because they were strong. Yeah. 
you know, just, say what you will about professional wrestling. You're still strong if you can lift a grown oh, man over oh, your head. <laughs> yeah. You can say what they want to, but I mean, people know now. I mean, with guys like yeah. Brock Lesnar crossing over to the UFC and winning, yeah. uh, that you know, if those guys really want to beat your ass, they. <laughs> Hey, so. yeah, I wouldn't be challenging any of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that, you know, takes you into this kind of time where there are some hard times coming again. You're back in the ring, you know, metaphorically speaking, you lose your job. Uh, was yep. it the post office job you lost? You had to move in with your daughter yep. and, you know, you're looking to become a trainer around that time, I think. Yeah. Um, and having trouble you don't have the certifications that kind of stuff that yeah. most gyms want so then you know when you finally got to be a trainer it occurred to me training people was that kind of like the training grounds for you in terms of the you know it's your motherfucking set and all your phrases i command you to grow is that was that developing there or did it just all was it always there from the time you were a kid like where are these phrases coming from well um uh... Those the those phrases were developed uh, during my personal training, but the my philosophy on uh, that all stemmed from my childhood and the army. Yeah, I gotcha. You know, my training was based on drill sergeant type training, yeah. and my dad, you know, was a drill sergeant, so he, he <laughs> you know, he's a preacher slash drill sergeant. So yeah. Sort of what I turned out to be. People, hey, you know, you're a preacher. You got like a preacher's son and a drill sergeant. All rolling. Me. Yeah, that, basically that's it, man. Yeah. That's how it came together. Yeah. And your dad was uh, preaching in a garage for a while. So things, I mean, that's what I find fascinating studying your life is that there's so many connections through things with cars and the garage he preached in and things like yeah. that. Rob, you did your, you did your due diligence, man. You, yeah, that's correct. No. Oh, don't remember that or, or don't, that's a, a fact that's you had to dig deep to get yeah. there <laughs> well yeah. i mean it's not hard with someone that uh you know i think is interesting and that's why i like to do this do this podcast i find these people interesting i you know i like to learn about the home gym history so then you know you've got this training career that's now taken off and you're you're at least you know you're making a name for yourself and words <laughs> getting around about you and then we loop back to that viral video. So, you know, when it goes viral, how did you learn how to, you know, you said you didn't even know what the term viral meant. So, yep. you know, as someone who's only been at this for about two years myself in terms of being online and Instagram and stuff like that, how'd you learn the ropes? Was it just kind of jumping in there? Were people giving you advice? Were you just kind of throwing some stuff out there and seeing what stuck? Uh, I will tell you this. I was a horrible person, <laughs> <laughs> horrible, because, you know, not too many people will put up with a personal trainer that tells me, I don't care if you throw up, you know, <laughs> fucking stay motherfucking set, you know. Most yeah, people. yeah. That was uh, Big Rub. He puked, yeah. and that's when you told him. Yeah, a little too uh, gruff for most yeah. people. I didn't have uh, the people that you see in the early on videos, like Bulo and Mike. Uh -huh and big rob yeah. those were you know the the core people who who really identified with my you know and could take it and you know keep, keep kept coming back for more yeah. so that's why you see those guys in the videos and uh it, it um 
Yeah, because I, I was not making a very good living being a personal trainer, trust me. Yeah. I, would, I would be broke as fuck by yeah, yeah. what I made from being a personal trainer. And as far as the YouTube stuff, the guy comes in and he, uh, you know, uh, asked me about did I want to be on YouTube? I didn't know what YouTube was. Um, Arash Babu was his name. And he, he had a YouTube channel called Strength Project. So it was already well-known, well-established. And he put me on his channel, uh, get, you know, out, out there in front of a lot of people. And I, I had no idea about him. The only, only question I asked him, Rob, was, can I be myself? Can ah. I, whatever I <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. say. And he yeah. said, yep. And as soon as he said I could be myself, I just let it go. I didn't, I didn't care. You know, I didn't know that it was even possible to make any money from YouTube. I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know anything. All I wanted to know was could I be myself? And if I could be myself, then everything's fine. I just had the green light to go ahead and be CT. And if they liked it, they cool. If they didn't like it, I didn't care. Cause I had nothing to lose. You know, as far as I am. Yeah. So I be cool. You don't like it. That's cool too. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, so then it takes off. Now you start your own channel. You're putting out your own videos. That's supplementing, you know, things by this time, you know, you're, you're coming down and wait, you're not, you're not the, uh, the guy in that early video that I mentioned that you dropped where it's, it had to be some type of training video. I mean, the VHS days or something, the one I'm referencing, I'll drop a link in the uh, description listeners, if you want to check it out for yourself, but you're so calm in it. And that's where I was like, who is this guy? I'm listening to it. And you're just this calm, like, hi, this is CT Fletcher. And I'm the strongest bench press you never heard of and but then there's just these little moments in it where i'm like oh there it is so yeah. like for example you you finish up talking about like uh okay so that's how i do that's how i set up my bench press then i got to do that sit up and that's about it but uh once i get up there and doing reps i just get crazy and and you said like i just get insane and then but you had the look you had that like that that look in your eyes that i'm used to and i'm like oh there it is like that's <laughs> he's in there i see him and then you mentioned uh, in that video as well, you talked about the cheeseburgers. And I was like, oh, there it is. I know about the cheeseburgers. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that video is so different the way you speak in it than the videos that you became known for. So it's so interesting watching. I encourage my listeners to watch it. But where I'm headed with this is, you know, how did were you just instantly comfortable in front of the camera you're talking about how you're being yourself but it still takes some i don't know some guts for some people to put yourself out there like that so you know you just felt like hey this is it or or did it take a little time putting out videos for a while or was it just from the go once that one hit you just started running with it um <clears throat> i am actually um uh... Uh, introvert. <laughs> yeah, it may not seem like it. Like you, you know, like you'd say you're you're uh, you seem very natural and calm, and you know, like you've been doing this for quite some time. A great interview. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Professional, but uh, you know, I, I uh, the my comfort came in. You know, when I asked the question, could I be myself? So it's you know, it's not hard to be yourself. So in the video that you're referencing, the early video, uh, I was very much controlled on what I could and couldn't say. 
And I was the same person back then. But as okay. soon as I got out a cuss word, they yeah. all you know, they all was having a hissy fit over there. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, give me, oh man, this is gonna be difficult to make yeah. it. I had to really tone myself down, uh, you know, by several notches sure. <laughs> in order to get, and I wanted as many people as possible to see me. So I had no problem back then. I was, you know, at that time, I was really trying to get in the World's Strongest Man contest. Ah, okay. Like I had a, a good shot at uh, that because you not only had to be strong, you had to be somewhat mobile and athletic. Yeah. And I felt like that that was right. On my, I was doing everything I possibly could. So I said, well, if I make this video, you know, and I'm calm and I don't say too many bad words, yeah. it's a shot, man. So I was trying to gotcha. get a shot. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I think, true about World's Strongest Man that you got to be mobile. You got to, you know, not, it's not static strength. They're doing the carries and various things. I love yep. strong man. So, when it comes to your inspirations, I talked a little bit about professional wrestlers, but in terms of your phrases and things like that, I brought up Big Rob. He's doing squats. He pukes in a trash can. He goes back to it, and that's when the phrase came. That's the origin of that hashtag, that phrase. It's still your motherfucking set. But then what about the other ones? I mean, do you recall the first time you started talking to your arms and saying, I command you to grow? Uh, oh, yeah, I, re I recall that from a uh, very uh... – you know, young age when I first really got serious about it. But uh, the only thing I did was say out loud what I had been saying to myself for years. You That's know, talked to that, talk that way to my bicep, to myself for many years before. And then somebody comes along with a camera, <laughs> I said it out loud, and they put it on YouTube, and there you go. <laughs> there it is. Because, yeah, that was one of the first things I loved. And then, you know... All of the various, you know, F Friday and T-shirts and things like that. I mean, you love the F word. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> was there someone in your life that, you know, you just got that? Or was it, for example, as a veteran, I can tell you that the most cuss words I've heard in my life was when I worked in the military. <laughs> like, it's just all time. And you know what's so strange about that, Rob? Uh, for me, too, uh, except. I had a, a aunt, an aunt okay. named E.B. Gooseberry. Hattie that B. is a name. Was a, Hattie B. Gooseberry Love it. with anybody. She could cuss with the best sailors, soldiers, Marines that I ever oh, man. But, you know, of course, I learned a, a lot, you know, uh, in the Army, you know, my drill sergeant, her yeah. cussing. He had cadence with his cussing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He had that rhythm with the cussing. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from some of the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, my aunt from yeah. birth, from my as far as I can, <laughs> I enjoyed it so much because it was also a um, a slap. You know, my dad's super religious. Exactly. So way to rebel, uh, of course, without him knowing it or him yeah, yeah. was to be <laughs> in cussing. You know, because that was, you know, oh, no, no, you can't say bad words, can't say. So every chance yeah. I had, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just, it fit yeah. the bill. I love your aunt. Her name sounds legendary. I mean, oh, man. I would read a book titled that, like the story yeah. of, the story of Aunt Gooseberry. I mean, man, that's, that was great. 
something else. She was, you know, she was known around uh, yeah. <laughs> for, uh, you know, whooping men's ass. Yeah, was known for knocking men out. So, wow, was, what a character! Yeah, big. Time. That's awesome. Brave it on, yeah. Heck yeah! I mean, I got a big family, and I got uh, my mom was one of seven. And uh, one of five girls, so I got plenty, plenty of aunts, and they're yeah. all strong women. And <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, I'm waiting. My, my aunt Jane's coming up from Texas soon. I'm excited to see her. So yeah, she's a wild one. She's in her seventies, and I guarantee she's gonna go down the slides at the playground with my kids. And yeah. she's, she's just there she's you gonna go. be one of. She's gonna be right in there with my kids. I guarantee. Yeah. So uh, as far as you know, some of those things that clearly rolls into people that resonates. People are loving it. So you've got kind of apparel and the YouTube and then Iron Addicts Gym is a dream of yours that comes in. But now, you know, recently the stuff when I have, you know, started messaging with you and things you've got. Um, and when I say recently, I mean, your YouTube channel has been around for about 10 years now. But you've got these competitions going on. So there was the Pig Iron World Bench Press Championship that I won a belt from a lifting belt from Cardillo. And that was how I touched base with you. I just won a contest. It was <laughs> little did I know that I'd end up being able to message with you. But how your strict curl organization, why did you form that, the International Strict Curl Association? Just because it needed back. to be? No, I wanted to bring it back, you know, because okay. I played uh, strict curling and I wanted to bring it back here in uh, the States. Um, okay. it, it, and I just felt it was time, you know, because everybody can't bench press, everybody can't deadlift, and everybody can't squat. But there's a whole lot of people can't do those things, they can curl. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted the curlers a, a chance to show what they can do. That's very cool. Yeah, there's a, I'll shoot you his name. There's a guy here in Pittsburgh that uh, I've, message with it that's his thing he's obsessed and he's he's like you just described this man he's not a he's not deadlifting 700 plus pounds but boy is he putting the weight on when he curls yeah so yeah and he's he's got a brick column in his basement gym and that's what he goes up against because yeah. correct me if i'm wrong that's the number one rule you got to be against the wall if you're going to strict cool if, if you're not if your back head and butt is not up against the wall in my opinion it is yeah. not Big curl, you know, because I know they they try to uh, change the rules and and make it easier for the lifters. They give them a, a easier bar to curl with, and it's more ergonomically. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to hurt your wrists or elbows and things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to make it easier, but we don't do none of that shit over here. Yeah. I mean, they competed the same rules that I had, you know, back in the day, and same yeah. bar, same everything. We're going to keep it, you know, like it was intended to be. It's not intended to be an easy lift, and we're not going to make it easier to make anybody. I, I think it's entertaining to watch because it, it blows my mind. You know, I'm, I'm a fairly average lifter, but it just blows my mind what these people are doing. Um, but you broke the record in strict curl. I think, did I read it correctly? The At least the first one you broke, 225? Yeah. You strict curled? Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, there are people out here that are just benching 225 and you curled it and you didn't just curl it either. You weren't swinging your hips or anything. You were up against the wall. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, man. That, that was something. You know, I, I competed in uh, 
Kevin Maskew had a streetcar organization way back then. Uh -huh. And as far as I know, he's he's the oldest, had the oldest one. Uh, <laughs> World Strict Curl something? Uh, I forget. Really remember the name of it? Yeah, yeah, I forget, but I I recognize the name that you said, and yeah, I think it was named like the World yeah. Strip Curl or something. Yeah, man, but, he, uh, he had to, he established the rules and the same rules that we use in ISCA, man. I love it. So then, in addition to that, you've got coming up here with a gentleman that I was fortunate enough to meet at Home Gym Con in April, the first Home Gym Con which by the way, listeners is occurring again next year. So come on out to Indiana to home gym con. I'll be doing some live podcasts there. I was fortunate to meet Midwest Kong. Yeah. And a good buddy of yours. And yeah. he's put together like a, if I read the post, right. Jungle Wars is kind of like a combined different facets of iron wars. Is that right? Absolutely. It's like iron wars on the road, man. Uh, nice. A lot of people have, you know, asked, hey, I wish you would bring Iron Wars here. I wish you would bring Iron Wars. I wish we had one here in, you know, Philly or wherever they, they happen to be from. And I'm like, man, uh, that's putting on these shows is is uh, a task and a half. You know, people think that I, I'm going to tell you, Rob, I have never made one penny <laughs> on the show, not one cent. People think, oh, it's, it's uh, most, most, of the time, I mean, if I break even, I'm happy as hell. But I, most of the time, I'm I'm in the hole big time when I put on these. I do it because I love it, and I know how much competition means to the competitors. And yeah. when I was competing back in the day, it meant the world to me. Every competition was the Olympic Games, man. Yeah, yeah. You be on competition day. It was that, you know. Uh, and, you know, I have people say, man, you act like it's life or death. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. Damn right it is. To me, it is. Think about the time you put into preparing for those competitions. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot for to that be, one day. Yeah, to call yourself the champ, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I set, a, set records back in the 90s, mm -hmm. and people still call me a world champion. So look, I'm 64 years old. Yeah. Something I did, you know, early, early when I'm 30 years old, people and, and people know that. And they, they, you know, they get in these contests, they want that title because the title lasts forever. You got to tell my grandkids that in 1991, I was the world champion. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa might be old and beat up now, but one time, you know, I did this. I, I mean, I mentioned her before, Jen Thompson. Have you ever met her? Um, I've heard her name for sure. I'll tell you what, you two would be fast friends because she said just about the same thing. She said, you know, I mean, winning the trophy, that's all great, but I wanted a title. I wanted yep. people to call me world champion. I wanted uh, to be the world champion. Yep. That. And so, yeah, you'd be fast friends with her. She was really fun. So yeah. Yeah. super important, but iron wars, how, how, how's Iron Wars different? When you developed it, this competition, how's it different than if I go to like my local Pittsburgh powerlifting meet, something like that? Uh, well, it, I wanted Iron Wars to be more of a throwback to the kind of competitions we used to have uh, in the backyards. Yeah. You know, in, uh, in the backyard, we'd have all the guys from around the neighborhood. We'd go to one guy, had a, a friend named Brent, and Brent had the most weights. So we'd all gather in Brent's backyard and just see who was the strongest. 
and there was no weight classes whatsoever back then. So iron work yeah. is very loosely structured on the, the weight classes, just okay. like it used to be in the backyard. Nobody had, well, how much do you weigh? How much do you weigh? Nobody gave a fuck. Yeah. But you know, the only thing that mattered when the death set was equipped, who was the strongest? And mm -hmm. my brother Walt was always the king. He was always stronger than me. And I wish he had, you know, took weightlifting seriously. Uh, he would have been, you know, red, a, a legendary weightlifter, but that wasn't his thing. That wasn't his thing. But yeah. when kids, being the king of Brent's backyard, that was it, man. So I was a sort of a throwback to my childhood. I wanted the hog. They're <laughs> the best. Get them gathered in one place and let's settle yeah. it. Who's the king? Who's that's the queen? Awesome. Strongest, man. So. That's where Iron Wars came from. Very cool. So then now Jungle Wars, it was uh, Texas. It's coming up yeah. in Texas. Houston. Nice. And, and are you making a trip there? I am. I am. Excellent. Of Brandon Copeland, the Midwest Kong. Yeah, and yeah. By, you know, come along and do a little yelling, do a little cussing. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there with my buddy and we're going to have a good time. Yeah, yeah he was uh, TD Smash and... Uh, Midwest Kong were both at home, Jim Con, and I had the pleasure of meeting them. And oh my gosh, were they fun! And uh, yeah, Midwest yeah. Kong, Julius Maddox will be there too. Oh man, yeah, I've met him, and boy, is he something! <laughs> yeah, current, you know, undisputed, yeah, it's been special on the planet. TD, yes, sir, hell of a good person, hell of a good mm -hmm. bench presser, and the Midwest Kong, and, and some Rep other king out yeah. too. Gonna be well, seeing him you know he put up uh 225 and he did i think 74 reps i want to say yeah and my goodness gracious i mean it was it was a sight to behold i mean more and more people just kept coming over and coming over and coming over as he kept yeah. going and going and people were whispering like how what's he on and he's on 50 something like they, how much is on the bar that just kept yeah. like there's this murmur of people um, coming and coming over yeah, unbelievable. He's something else. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I intend on getting him on here to hear his story. He's, oh, he's something. A real good, real good person, too. You know, that, those yeah. things uh, mean a lot to me, Rob. You know, that as fantastic, good, it's good being a fantastic weightlifter. You can pick up yeah. the world. But what kind of person are you? If, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't mean anything to me if you could be a, the strongest person on the planet and an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm what you can live, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I don't mean any disrespect to your accomplishments with weights, but when I think of you, I think about your words more than the weights that you put up. And, you know, like one of my uh, good friends, his name's Tony. He, uh, early on, I told you this, but I'll tell it on this episode here. Early on uh, in my military career, when I was talking with him, he talked about like, oh, you like C.T. Fletcher? Yeah, like, you know, I, sometimes I don't feel like working out and I just watch one of his videos and I said, I do the same thing. And we kind of connected over you. So I shot him a message and was like, Hey man, you know, CT is going to come on the podcast. What do you want me to ask him? And I was expecting all number of things, but then he went real high level with it. He went, <laughs> so he wanted to know what would you change? If you go back, you're talking about being a good person and how valuable that is. And I'm mentioning to you, okay, your words, no disrespect to your weightlifting, but through all the things throughout your life, we've touched on some of the struggles. Uh, we didn't even talk about, you know, your heart transplant, my goodness. And, you know, going through that, what would you change 
if at all? Is there anything that you go back in the magic time machine and say, ah, don't do that? Or say, why don't you just step over there? Uh, and it's with Tony, right? That's with Tony. My man Tony, yeah. Uh, Tony, I'm so glad you asked me that. And this, the answer is easy. And I've been waiting for somebody to ask me this for <laughs> a long time. Uh, the only the only thing that I would change, I mean, through everything with my dad, uh, all, I wouldn't change any of that because that made me the person that I am today. I wouldn't change anything about the heart problems, the heart transplant. I wouldn't change any of that because it made me, it made C.T. Fletcher who he is today. The one thing that I would change, and I tell people, you know, I told people about this, and when early, early on when I was trying to be Mr. America, I had somebody, I went in a little local contest and I, and I was able to come in second place and guy says, hey, you know, uh, what are you taking? What are you on? I had no idea what the hell he was talking about, Rob. I'm a kid yeah. going this contest and I just, I only thing I want to be is Mr. America. And they, and they talked to me, tell me, wait a minute, man, you got 20 inch arms and you don't, you, you know. <laughs> I, oh man, I'm just, you know, in the backyard driving and lifting my ass off and they, they, and he start, and he, and I let these people, Rob, I let people, you know, my biggest, biggest thing is if the crowd is doing it, if everybody else is doing it, that's the best reason in the world not to do something. It's because everybody go. else is doing it. And having that belief and being, you know, that's my foundation, being independent, think for yourself, don't let nobody talk to me. And I let these guys, talk me into trying steroids trying i i i you know that's that's went against everything that i am comprised of against my nature against everything that i've you know ever still ever believed in because i was trying to take a shortcut i didn't want to i didn't want to uh uh i wanted to be I didn't want to go to the fucking post office every day and work nine, 12 hours a day. I want to be on the cover of the magazines. I wanted to have the title. I wanted to make a living and be able to su support my kids doing something that I love to do, which is lift weights anyway. And I let that sway me and I let that talk me into trying this, experimenting with this shit. And then it wasn't illegal. You know, it wasn't even illegal back then. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm trying to justify it with myself, but I could never justify it with my conscience and with my heart, with my soul. I was never, I could never justify it in there to myself yeah. where, it, where it was important at. So if I could change anything, Tony, I would take those fucking six months back and not do that shit. If I could yeah. do anything, that would be the thing that I would change. Because no matter what I say now, you know, I, I told people about it. I say I tell people about it. I tell and no matter what I say, they're gonna always say, even though that shit was, you know, what, fucking fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna be like, they bring it up. I, I knew it. I knew. Yeah, it. yeah. gotcha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> you didn't discover it. It wasn't like they did a deep dive into my back. Yeah, I yeah. Told you, man. So, <laughs> if I could change anything, Tony. It would be that. It would be that. I wouldn't do it. That's good. And it's interesting because, I mean, who knows how life, the butterfly effect, like one thing changes what it caused, like a domino effect. But having studied 
your life recently, I can say that yeah, you take out that one little piece. Well, you're probably still seeing Craig Munson. You're probably still becoming a power lifter. You know, I, I don't know if it would have changed anything. So that's a good no. one. That's, yeah. that's something. It's uh, because everything that was so early, that was so early on. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I consider it, you know, a mistake for me. You know, I can't yeah. do what anybody would anybody. That's them. Yeah. But it made me, I, I, I had a, a, a small son at the time. He was very small. Yeah. Uh, he's 40 now. <laughs> he was a little, little, little kid. Time flies. I was ashamed that he, hey. Yep. There's a grandson. <laughs> <laughs> I was ashamed that he might uh, find out. You know, I never wanted him to find out. So, yeah. If anything, if you're doing anything that makes you feel ashamed, then you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will, uh, listeners, I'll drop a link in the description too for my friend Tony's son. And you might be thinking, Rob, I don't give a crap about your friend and his son. I'm here to listen to C.T. Fletcher. But you should give a crap. And this is why. This young man is on, I mean, I'll just say it, on an average income of Tony's, he's pursuing a career as a race car driver. Oh, and- right. That is not an easy track. I mean, no, no pun, pun intended. It, it, just the cost of new tires every race is more than I spend an entire year on my children's sports and things. <laughs> and this young man, uh, you know, he is something else. He has really progressed. And he's not racing takes a uh, lot. spec Miatas. And I know you're in the car, CT, so I wanted to mention that too. And everything you just said, I guarantee Tony's going to play for his son because it's good advice for his son as far as putting in the time and – Absolutely. Taking shortcuts, and I don't mean with steroids, but I mean just with anything. There's yeah. shortcuts, you know, <laughs> taking money from someone you shouldn't, something like that. I mean, there's shortcuts everywhere. Yeah, if it if you're if it bothers your conscience and you can't sleep at night, if it makes you feel like don't fucking do yeah. it. <laughs> well, there's a great little. It's like ten minutes long. Uh, this company made a film about him because he's one of the only black young drivers, and they made this like ten minute film about him and how much he's progressed and moved up because i learned all this listening to tony and now he's racing spec miatas and he's moving up and moving up so yeah he's coming along antonio all right hey good job yeah. send it over hey motherfucking said tony that's right <laughs> that's right so as far as cars though listeners if you're following ct you may have noticed he's got a couple different handles on Instagram because like you said at the very beginning, you love everything that's old. So, I mean, have you always been that way? Or is it just that the stuff from when you were a kid, you just kind of hung on to? Uh, um, the 60s or my favorite uh, time period. Uh, okay. Growing up in the 60s and was my favorite time period. Even, you know, now that I'm an old dude, it's still my favorite <laughs> <laughs> of the 60s man everything you know the stuff that i couldn't get as a kid you know i i, I like model cars as a kid and you know, we could only afford certain ones you know if they was yeah. at the thrifts the thrifties which was a little you know cheap store back in the days called thrifties if we if they had it on the shelves of thrifties then we probably had a chance of getting it but <laughs> What no department stores or you know model shops or hobby shops in. Or we go to the Goodwill and get you know uh, a broken broken car and try to make the best of it. But uh, you know a lot of things that I could not get 
when I was a kid, I, I, I made a whole video about a Lost in Space robot that I wanted for Christmas super bad. I wanted a robot so You made bad. a promotional video for your parents? Oh, my God. <laughs> robot. So when I didn't get it, and I was super disappointed. 60 years old when I got that fucking robot. You found it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. What I mean, I fell in love with my wife for a lot of reasons, but I told a story how when I was a kid, I wanted this uh, calculator watch, which I mean, I know that sounds like the dorkiest thing in the world compared to like a robot. But to me in 1986, I was like, "Ooh, man, that is technology. Like it could store five phone numbers on it. I was like, I never have to memorize my friend's phone numbers. <laughs> it had a light bulb in it. Yeah. So, she found it. I couldn't believe it when we were dating and she gave it to me as a present. I was like, Oh yeah. That's damn. A cute, like, that's I'm a... going to propose to this woman. She got me my calculator watch. <laughs> so you found your robot and yeah. you also found, Oh my goodness. Uh, one of my listeners, Axe Sniffer. I hope I'm saying that right. Axe Sniffer. Anyway, he wants to know how many old cars and trucks do you actually have? Hey, you know what? Uh, how you spell his <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, Axe. Axe Sniffer. Oh. That's why I hope I'm saying it right. A-X-E-N-I-F-F-E-R. Oh, Sniffer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I don't have a, a name. I like, mean, yeah. part of me was hoping he didn't submit a question just because he wanted me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Axe. Okay, Axe Sniffer. <laughs> Uh, I, I had uh, uh, 12, but I have cut my uh, collection down to seven, um, and I'm trying to get rid of a 78 Thunderbird convertible. Okay. <laughs> so, so, anyone out there on the market, hey, that's, there you go. Thunderbird convertible, man. Yeah. <laughs> Be yours. <laughs> yeah. Once owned by C.T. Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean... So bringing those childhood dreams fruition, also bicycles, because you have CT auto addicts, but then you also got an Instagram account, CT bike addicts. Yep. So how many bikes do you have? How many bicycles? Oh, man, I, I have had up to 100. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, but I'm down to about 20 now. Well, your backyard's filled up with weights. Where are you keeping these bicycles? Uh, I actually, you know, I have a, a room that's just okay. for yeah, oh, that's cool. Built is just for the, a bike shed. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, I have a room in my house where my records are. I like vinyl yeah. records. Oh yeah, man. So yeah, I got my records in there and uh, stuff like that. So I, I, I can understand that. So your wife Beatrice, whew, she's got to be patient. <laughs> yeah. Does she does she ever ride the bikes? Does she like the bicycles or the cars, uh, or does she just love you? <laughs> every blue moon, she'll ride the bikes with me, but she really likes riding the old cars. Yeah. Yeah, we have fun doing that. I told my wife, once our kids are a little older, I'd love to pick up an older car and just, you know, take her out on dates. <laughs> oh, nothing like it. You, you, you yeah. guys will have a ball. Yeah. That's that's on the that's on the bucket list. That's on there. I don't know if I'll get twelve, but <laughs> a one will be okay. I'm just over the top, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're obsessed, like you said. You, yeah. You like, like something, you like it. Like, now your wait. weights. <laughs> when it comes to that, do you have any? I mean, you love pig iron. You like? I mean, I've got my plates cleaned up. They're in my gym. I'm watching them. 
I, I got a, I, I put out a lot of videos doing that, restoring them, or sometimes I like them a little worn. I like the way they look when the paint's chipped and worn, but yours are outside. They're just rusting away. I mean, I know you have a shed. You show yeah. your shed where you got some uh, different weights stacked up, but is there anything that you really like a lot in the, that home gym that you're like, man, this thing, this is one of my favorites. Oh, my seven foot bar for sure is uh, a, yeah, I mean, that is the star of my collection. My collection is that because yeah. uh, I mean, you just don't see them. First yeah. of all, uh, anything that is really rare. I, I also one of a kind stuff. That's probably my favorite. My, my cars uh, I try to get the, uh, you know, very rare. I love Corvettes. Corvettes are my favorites, but I try to get the, um, not, not the, it's definitely not the most expensive ones, but they are, there's something unique about every one of them. And that's yeah. like, and that having that seven foot bar is unique to me. You know, you don't, you do not, I have not, as old as I am, I've never seen another one, man. So yeah. that's a cherished and there's a Facebook group I love, uh, Vintage York Barbell Owners. And I had searched high and low for that thing, and it was just a miracle that I found it. This guy, out of the blue, and this happens sometimes, out of the blue, he's just like, hey, anyone anyone uh, interested in buying any of these standard bars, these seven-foot bars? And he had three of them. <laughs> and I was like, where were you, like, a year and a half ago? I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, yeah, he shot me some pictures of them, and I kind of bounced it off my video that I made about the one that I found for you. And then the gentleman that helped me identify it, he was a really nice guy, Don. He, I bounced it off him, and yeah, this guy, he just, you know, for whatever reason, he had three of them just sitting around. Wow. <laughs> I was like, goodness gracious. Yeah. So they, needless to say, they got snapped up pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible time, man. Incredible so, yeah, and I mean, as far as one of the kind, you as a thank you gift. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier I gave you this bar, but as a thank you gift, you you sent me these. They're really cool. These hold tight collars, <laughs> and I love these things. And they are very rare. They're York standard hold tight collars that you put on a bar for pig iron, and they're just really different. But they are one of a kind because they're not just hold tight collars. They're C.T. Fletcher's hold tight collars. <laughs> And, and I mean, I truly mean that there's no one else on earth has CT Fletcher's York cold tights. So I love it. And I, I mean, I think I've said it many times, weights have a story. And so when there's just something that I don't know, I, I, I have, it's not that I don't like it. I mean, I like it. It's a weight, but if I got it from somewhere, then some old gentleman I bought it off told me what he did with it, how he lifted this. Then I, I remember that it like sticks in my head when I load it on the bar that, Oh yeah, I got off that guy over in Sharpsburg or I got, I picked this up from wherever. Well, these are, when I put these on the bar, CT Fletcher's. So yeah, thank you. I still use them. I appreciate them. Thank you. Uh, yeah. The story the story really is where the value is, in my opinion, also. Like, each one of the, the cars that I own now has a story behind it, and that's what makes them, you know, infinitely more valuable to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, a 63 Corvette Stingray that used to be a museum car. It used to be in the Peterson Automotive Museum uh, wow. here in Los Angeles. And it used to be a pretty famous show car. 
and over the years, I followed the car. When I first seen it I, <laughs> you know, way back when I got out of the Army in the museum. Then, you know, I, I followed the car for years and changed hands, changed hands. Always way too much money for me uh, able to afford. Uh, and then finally it got somewhat reasonable. All I had to do was sell a couple of cars <laughs> in order to get this car. So wow. just the timing worked out right. I was able to sell the cars. Mm -hmm. A couple of my previously prized possessions, I sold two cars in order to get that Corvette, man. But I got it. It took me a long time. Only one on the planet. Not cars, but I know the feeling well with weights. No. <laughs> my gym's like a revolving door. I'm always yeah. trading some or selling yep. some so I can buy others. And, yeah. And yeah. That, that's fun. <laughs> it is. That's the fun part of it. So then I have to ask, though, because I don't really get nervous using my weights. You ever get nervous driving these cars that are one of a kind? You know, you take out oh. that 63 vet and you're like, oh, I don't know about this guy at the stoplight. Is he going to? Uh, run into me <laughs> i'll put it like this i've i've driven it only once okay <laughs> <laughs> only driven one time so yes on that one yes definitely uh the rest of my i'll drive you know and i'm pretty comfortably in that but that one i because i wanted it for so long yeah. man, you know as a youngster i'd be it used to keep me up at night i'd be yeah. about that car and finally, to finally get it, you know, I'm I'm really happy just to go out to the garage and uh, go out and crank it up and hear the pipes and look at it. I'm I'm, I'm happy. I'll tell you what, next time, uh, next time you take it out, you drove it only once. Well, if you drive it a second time, you need to take that robot and put it in the passenger seat. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have you got it all together. You got your car, you got your robot. Yeah. Things are coming together. I gotta have that robot. <laughs> Danger, real Robinson. Danger. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Well, hey, CT, I, you got your grandson here. You're hopping on. Your time is valuable, and I really appreciate you being on. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a fantastic honor for me to be here, man. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. So, listeners, I'll drop all the links down below. You probably don't even need them. You probably already follow this man. But if if you hopped on and you've just learned about him and you want to learn more, I'll drop all the links to his website, his Instagram, his YouTube, all that fun stuff, as well as some of the stuff I mentioned before, like a direct link to that video, the older video I mentioned. So, please tune in, like, follow, all that happy stuff. Drop a comment and tell me when's the first time you heard CT Fletcher? What's your favorite phrase CT Fletcher says? And all of that helps us and supports us here at Home Gym History, which is produced by Garage Gym Radio. My name is Rob. You can find me at Vintage Weights PGH. And CT, my goodness, you're a friend and I enjoy you. So please, I hope we can stay in touch. And thank you for coming on. Most definitely. Thank you for having me, Rob. All right. Take care.